Welcome back to Escape to the Magic Podcast. We are your hosts. I am Randy. And I am Dak. And on his way, but not here, is... Ryan. Yeah. Um, But that's okay, because, you know, what's been so amazing about being able to do this and um, has worked, in my opinion, really well and take some of the stress out is the fact that with three of us, we're able to pivot pretty well to make sure that we've got content. I mean, the reality is with three of us, if something happened and there was only one of us, we could still do this. Yeah, yeah. But you're right. It is nice to kind of have a little bit of a stress relief on not having to be here every single week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and schedules and everything. Right? Well, and like, it's it's like it's not that um, when we miss, it's not here because we don't want to. Yeah, you know, right. that's that's kind of the funny thing is like when sometimes if you're not at work, you're just like, well, I'm not at work because I don't feel like being there. Yeah. Uh, and this isn't that. But, you know, we went through this period, obviously, the end of last year over the holidays where the schedules were hard, people were on vacations or doing whatever. Ryan missed out for a little bit. Yeah. And then this time it was a little bit of my turn to miss out after our guys trip um, at the beginning of the year. Um, you know, I got sick after that trip yeah. and then I had some crazy work things going on. And then and then it wasn't really safe to come record over here because there are people <laughs> in the house with COVID. Quarantine. And so, yeah, um, you know, now we're back. Yeah, and, it's good to have you back, man. And Ryan's was, on the way. But yeah, I'm happy to be back. Yeah, I was thinking about it on the way over. I'm like, when you see these guys every single week and then you go a couple of weeks without seeing them and it's like, ah, I'm missing Randy. So yeah. yeah. Oh, anyway. Thanks. Thanks, buddy. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> well, I'm I'm happy to be back. Um, you know, it was interesting because I said, actually, I don't think I've seen you since we were on yeah. our trip. So, yeah, yeah, the last time we saw each other was actually on our guys' trip. So maybe take a minute or two and give your... Your personal wins and losses, Ryan and I kind of talked about this. We recorded with Adam, yeah. and he gave us his review. Uh, but kind of give us your review, just two, three minutes on what you thought. Good things, bad things. Yeah, you know what? Um, first of all, and it goes without saying, the good thing is just just being together with the fellows. I, I, think it's, I think it's awesome that we intentionally try and create this space where we can get together and go and, and, and do this every yeah. year. Um, and... You know, we've talked about it on this show before. Every one of these trips looks a little different right. just because of who ends up going. You and I have been doing it the longest. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's been as as few people as just me and you. Yeah. And it has now been as many as 10 people, right? Wild. It was wild. Uh, that is one word to describe it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It was. Uh, yeah. Well, I don't want to I don't want to influence your thoughts here, but. Yeah. Well, um, I I do. I think that's the biggest win. I think just being able to get together and, you know, it was what else was a huge win was. And I I generally have this expectation. um, Everyone's just so willing to go with the flow. Right. Yeah. You know, these 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 other fellows that want to come with us and are willing to come and hang out, you know, for some of them, it was their first time. Yeah. For others, it was their first time. And like so long, it may as well have been their first time. And uh, they were just willing to do whatever. You know, and I, I know that as we talked about it, me, you and Ryan talked about it going into it, we were a little um, wondering, you know, hey, we don't want to step on people's toes. You know, there is a this trip is a financial commitment. Right. right? Uh, it's also a commitment in time. Um, there's not a single one of us that doesn't have a busy career on the other side of of the fun. And they were just they were just so happy to go and, and just go along with the flow and so I thought that was a big win. Yeah. Yeah, I love that it creates an opportunity. And I mentioned this on our previous show of just 
carving out time that you normally probably wouldn't carve out. Like you mentioned, we all have busy schedules, dads, you know, husbands, employees yeah. of some type of thing. And just like being able to go and sit, not sit down, but just have time with another guy or just yeah. hang out and just talk. And, you know, you don't want to wait in lines, but you're there in the line and you're waiting and you're just striking up different conversations. And then we kind of migrate around to each other. And yeah, it gives you an opportunity to have little conversations with each one of these groups of guys. And yeah, so it was, uh, that was probably my favorite part. Of the and, trip. and that included folks that maybe, you know, not everybody knew everybody really right. well. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, I didn't really know Ryan's brother at all. Right. Uh, I think yeah. I met uh, Brent once before. You know, I know Ryan's parents and um, I think maybe once or twice before a long way back uh, had met Brent a couple times. I knew about him. Yeah. Uh, I knew about his family, but but never really met. Anyways, had a great time. I thought it was a lot of fun to kind of hang out and 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 other people that I've known you know, hit and miss, it was a great opportunity to get to, to know them a little bit better because you do have a lot of that opportunity just doing all sorts of stuff. Right. And so overall, I would just say if I were to, if I were to chalk up, what was the win? The win was that it was just a great trip and there, there wasn't any, <laughs> there wasn't any like drama. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No drama. Uh, that, that's funny actually, but, um, yeah, no drama. I thought it overall, I thought it was one of our better trips. A, a little hard to manage. And now yeah. we know going forward, if we're going to have groups this big, kind of how to maybe strategize a little bit better. But other than that, yeah, that was my only takeaway is like, man, we, we need to do if we're going to have groups this big, we need to do a better job of like game planning a little bit. Yeah, probably longer in advance. Yeah. Um, and so let's talk about maybe what some of those challenges, at least for me, were. You know, one of the challenges was this um, at, a, at a certain point, um, you know, someone had to kind of step up and say, OK, this is what this is what we're going to do. And right. if you want to, you're welcome to. And if not. And I think especially that first night, we were all kind of like, I don't know if I want to step up yeah, and be that yeah. guy because, you know, there's that famous Reddit thread. Am I that person? <laughs> we don't use that language on this show. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, am I that person? And and you and none of us wanted to be that person, right? But at the same time, someone had to step up and do it. Otherwise, we were all just going to be staring at each other for the yeah. next three days. And so I kind of stepped up to do that, and um, you stepped up to do it on on other sides of it in terms of let's book things. You know, right? We've talked about it. You have to be regimented in a certain schedule if you're going to be Absolutely. able to experience certain things, right? Virtual cues, um, you know, lightning lanes, you've got to kind of step up and follow that. And so I will say for me, that was a little bit of a negative, not in that I had to do it. I was happy to do it, but because, um, and, and here it is because I really hadn't set my own expectations of what that would look yeah, like. Here we come back to here the it same is, theme you know? again. I was kind of flying by the seat of my pants and, you know, I missed a couple things, right? Yeah. It just wasn't as polished as I like it to be for one of my, my ordinary trips and managing 10 people. It's different, right? Is, is complicated. Um, you know, even electronically, you've got to follow some extra steps. You got to do extra things. You're, you're looking at it. Um, you know, I think I, I think I spent some money that I didn't have to spend, 
on people to do attractions that was basically accidental because yeah. you're trying to do things really fast. And next thing you know, I'm buying lightning lanes for people that are headed to the airport. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. So, you know, they're obviously not going to ride that ride. And, and so you just kind of, well, you just eat it a little bit. Yeah. And it gets a little frustrating because you're like, man, if I had just had this planned out better, um, it could have worked. Now, that's probably my next big negative, and this goes to something that spoke about on my other podcast with Kayla very recently about on-property versus off-property. I just yeah. can't tell you how much I hate staying off-property. Yeah, I just – this this one, I learned some things that I'm not sure really I fully grasped up until now about the advantage of being on-property and the disadvantage of being off-property, and it all has to do with timing. Yeah. For sure. You know, when you want to plan certain things out, all of a sudden I found out, oh, because we're not staying at a Disney resort hotel, I can't do this till the park opens. Holy crap. This is going to throw off my whole groove. Right? Yeah. Yeah. You know? No, I hear you. I, there's there's definitely some distinct advantages and uh, disadvantages on and off property. Right. And so, yeah, a little plug for y'all show whistle while you work. Great conversation last week. Uh, your last episode was the advantages and disadvantages of staying on-site or off-site. So I really enjoyed that. Yeah, uh, thanks. It, yeah. it it was fresh in my mind. Yeah, I'm sure um, it was. <laughs> and and interestingly enough, uh, as a family, we are leaving this week um, yeah, for right. our next trip. And um, we're staying on property. And of course, tell, yeah, and of course. Now, just like I can't tell you how much I hate staying off, I can't tell you how much I'm looking forward to staying yeah. on property. We'll be at the Polynesian for a week. And um, it was just, it was, it, it reminded me that there is just a huge advantage. And sometimes you think that the extra magic hours in the morning um, are maybe it's not a big deal. It's only 30 minutes. Or you think that, oh, it's not that big a deal that I can only do certain things at 7 a.m. if I'm on site versus off site. It became a big deal here, yeah. especially with a group this big. Yeah, I think that that's what it comes down to is like, I think anytime, and this is maybe a pro tip for those who are pa- planning larger family trips is like everything becomes just a little bit more complicated and a little bit more complex. The more yeah. individuals you add on your trip, right? If it's a multi-generational trip and you have aunts and uncles and grandmas and grandpas and kids and blah, 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 blah. I think you have to uh, really plan ahead. And this is where, I mean, cheap plug, this is where having a travel agent really comes Absolutely. in handy to be able to manage some of those logistics for you and help yeah. you think through things that even us, having gone multiple, multiple times, weren't thinking through or weren't giving enough, maybe enough credit to sure. uh, as part of that process of having, you know, a big group. Well, and again, there it is. That person can help you also set your expectations so that you're able to manage them in the in the moment a little bit better. And, um, you know, I think we do fashion ourselves as experts on this kind of <laughs> yeah. on this kind of travel, on this kind of trip. You know, you you have a different expertise as actually being an agent to organize it for other people. But the three of us all feel like we have a, a particular flavor of expertise in how do you go to the park? How do you do it? And pride ourselves on being able to do it really, yeah. really well. And, um, you know, it's interesting for us personally. It's a little disappointing if our if our plan's not executing as well. 
I don't think any of our friends noticed that. No, no. That, because yeah, just, they didn't know any better. Yeah. <laughs> they're like, I guess this is how it goes. Um, and, 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 and I don't think they felt like they missed out on anything. But, you know, for me, look, this is the first time ever for me that uh, I missed a 7 a.m. virtual queue yeah. grab. Like, I, I missed it that last morning because the place we were staying at, the internet sucked. Yeah. You know, just like the TVs that didn't work. <laughs> and uh, great value, by the way. We, yeah, we, yeah, good it didn't value. Cost, it didn't cost us a lot. But boy, we got what we paid for, I yeah. think. But um, it was, uh, I missed that virtual queue, and I was, and I, I was deflated for like three hours after that. I'm like, because we weren't going to the park for three hours after that. And I was like, I can't believe I missed this. Yeah. I just, I just couldn't believe it. Yeah. I think, I think overall though, I think it worked out and I think, you know, kind of maybe transitioning now into today's episode, I think, you know, overall I would, I would still give it eight out of 10, maybe 8.5 out of 10. Absolutely. Yeah. Just, it was, it was up there. Well, I always say your 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 worst day at Disney is better than any day not at Disney, right? So, so there you generally go. that's that's probably <laughs> probably pretty yeah, true. Generally, yeah. even uh, even some of your like I say, some of your worst days. Well, let's get into today's episode. I'm I'm excited about it. We're calling it Movies, Parks, Action, and so the premises of today's show is just how Disney has done a, an amazing job of integrating their movies and their um, IP and their cartoons and everything into their parks. And in today's world, 2024, right, it just seems so natural that that's what you would expect whenever you go to a Disney park. But if you go backwards in time to when all of this was first starting, this was a revolutionary idea. I think yeah, you know, Walt started people, it. Yeah, yeah. Walt really paved the path for what we would call a theme park, not an amusement park, but a theme park yeah. environment that we live in today. Because amusement parks existed, right? That yeah, was the thing. Yeah, and absolutely. and in fact, you know, um, we probably don't talk about this enough, but, you know, Walt didn't just imagine Disney World out of whole cloth in his mind. As creative as a man he was, like he had to draw on experiences and things he'd seen. If I can't remember, I think it was a park in Denmark or Germany or someone in somewhere in Europe, the Netherlands, where, you know, he had visited and, and they had an amusement park yeah. there. And as he was later on at a city park with his daughters sitting on a bench <clears throat> wondering what can we do to have parents be involved instead of me just sitting here on this bench? He was able to kind of put that together. Yeah. Right. And and put that experience previously like, oh, I remember this amusement park we visited over here. And boy, what if we could do something where it wasn't just for the little children anymore and we could have fun for all ages? Yeah. So I, I kind of did a little bit of a rabbit hole, deep dive history of amusement parks and theme parks and all of that. And it actually started in the late 1800s, right? And where it started really was in Europe, so to your point. And they were more like these, what you would consider today to be like these city park festivals, right? So people would gather in an open park. They'd put on their best clothes. They'd come out. There'd be live bands and just entertainment. And it'd be more like a big hangout session, yeah. right? And then eventually it started adding like like carousels. a like a, like a carnival or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right? <clears throat> and then that kind of 
was brought over to America as it was developing and um, growing. And there was Coney Island, right? So Coney Island was really one of the first. And then actually, I thought this was just made up. uh, But Dreamland was an actual theme park. I I didn't realize that. But as these theme parks and amusement parks began growing and becoming becoming more and more popular, of course, people started giving you more watered-down versions, maybe a little bit more shadier versions, right? Sure. The that, quality. The, that's the real carnival. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So the real carnival started coming in. Um, people wanted to pack in as many you know, cheap rides or... Things and so they became very disorganized. There wasn't a pattern or a flow to them of, of any kind. The safety elements were, yeah, were lacking, absolutely. and and the, and the the customer service, yes. and everything. All of a sudden, you know, uh, it, it's one of those that I remember. You know, you there was kind of a, a pejorative term that you would refer to someone working at a carnival. They were a carny. Yeah, right? you remember, and and it was because. They they didn't have the kind of, you know, favorable reputation that you want. And so people be like, hey, I'm not going to do that. Yeah, I'm not taking my family there, right? So that's where Walt comes in, right? As he comes into this environment in the early 30s and 40s where theme parks and, or I keep calling them theme parks, but amusement parks yeah. were more like a fairground type of atmosphere. There was some rides, but it was just completely disorganized. Um, they had all the little side shows with like uh, little freak shows and yeah, yeah, different yeah. <laughs> individuals, the bearded lady yeah, and all you, of the circus things. elements yeah. too. Yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. And so, uh, as you mentioned, Walt sitting on a park bench watching his girls one Saturday afternoon on the merry-go-round and just started, this is when these thoughts started to creep into his mind of like, hey, how can I do this? How can I create this family themed environment that's organized and clean and you know blah 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 everything that he started to imagine he puts this idea together presents it first to his wife Lillian she's like no way why would you ever want to build one of those they're disgusting they're dirty they're this they're that and he's like no mine will be different mine will be different um Eventually ends up pitching it to the city of Burbank to be right outside of Walt Disney Studios. My hometown. Yeah. And they, but they shut it down because they were under the same impression. They're like, that sounds like Burbank. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) They were like, nope, we don't want that as part of our town. And as much as he tried to convince them, this will be different, this will be different, it just, it never sold. And so he ended up. And boy, up, you know what? If you go to Burbank today, can you just imagine? There's got to be some people there that still have oh, some yeah. regret about that, right? Because it, I was born in Burbank, and uh, Burbank's a dump. Yeah. Don't please don't sue me, the city of Burbank. <laughs> but, but but look, you know that you could do better. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so um, so yeah. So so Burbank tells him no. He decides, okay, I'm gonna create my own. Finds some land. Obviously, the famous story goes, he finds some land up in Anaheim, which was way out of the city, right? People thought he was crazy with that idea. Um, One of my favorite things, just a little side note, is how many times Walt is told no. And he just keeps... He's relentless. Yeah, he is relentless with his vision and his dream. And I love that about him, you know, just as a historical figure of someone who just would not take no for an answer. He's the ultimate example of that. Yeah. And so anyways, 
So he starts to come up with this idea, and then we roll forward into Disneyland. And what I thought, and this is again where our our topic comes in, what I thought was genius is he had several movies already in place or movies that he was going to try to promo as part of, you know, the park. And so I, I put together a list of the different attractions that were part of the original Disneyland. So Autopia, not connected necessarily, the railroad, Jungle Cruise. Which which was, frankly, IP he was creating on the fly there. Yeah, yeah. Um, and So our first themed uh, ride is King Arthur's Carousel, then the Mad Tea Party, Mark Twain, Mr. Toad's Wild Ride, Peter Pan's Flight, Snow White's Enchanted Wish, and then the Storybook Land Canal Boats. So about none of this is Disney original IP. Well, about half, right? So uh, Snow White had come out by that point, but, I believe. Peter Pan, but, but 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 I would say remember none of it's original Disney IP because even those original movies, those are drawing off. Of, oh yeah, <laughs> of, right. I mean, you're talking yeah. about these are old fairy tales, yes, right? That yeah. he he kind of transitioned, but. But it's interesting um, because he's starting somewhere and he's trying to draw it together and he's drawing it together in his universe, right? Right, Because now he has created, he's taken these old tales that weren't like his idea, but he said, let's put it, let's put the Disney spin on it. Let's put the Disney animation family friendly spin on it. Because look, some of those tales don't end as happily as they do. (laughs) Right, right. Yeah. In in the cartoons. (laughs) Uh, I think the other thing that he did that was ingenious is he came up with this will and spoke idea. Yeah. Right. So he, um, basically if you're not familiar with the Disney parks, which I don't know why you're listening to this podcast if you're not, but you walk in, right. There's main street of course. And then you go into the hub which is this spoke and wheel system that starts directing people into different lands. And so that was the thing that he did that was so awesome is he figured out, okay, I'm going to create little pockets of areas that people can go into and there's one way in and there's one way out. And so it dissolved that disorganization of some of these other carnival and fairground type environments where you would go in and get disoriented and, get lost basically in this in this mass of rides and different events and activities that were going on and he just figured out hey if you go in all you have to do is turn around and come right back out and then you are back to the hub and you can go to the next land and the next land you know it's interesting because i think about it a little bit and it's so true that but by and large while you're there in the in the parks your experience is one of organization and order, right? You just don't get to this thing where it's just mass confusion. Now, there's always the group with the stroller who stops in the middle of the walkway (laughs) right in front of you. They stop short and all of a sudden you basically run into them. I'm not talking about that. But there is one time of day when there it is basically pure chaos in this system, and that's at the end of fireworks. Yeah. And everyone's trying to figure out where to go. And and this thought comes to me, imagine if it was like that all the time. Yeah. Be horrible. I, you just you wouldn't have as an enjoyable of an experience, but when it's after happily ever after, yeah, I'm willing to put up with a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for right? sure. Um, okay, so one more thing he did, and and then we'll kind of keep moving forward. Is he came up with this on stage, off stage? So again, in in Walt's mind, you were at the movies, yeah. so you were the star of the show. You were walking onto the red carpet. 
So if you think about in your mind's eye, you're getting to the turnstiles and you start to go through the actual gates of Disneyland, Disney World, you'll notice the bricks are all red. And that was his interpretation or his feeling of helping you feel like you're walking the red carpet and you are on stage. You're in the movie. You're part of the scene. Even, uh, I don't want to get too much into this, but even when you walk under the tunnels, you see all the posters of the attractions you get a ride that day. That was like the the movie premiere posters out front of the theater so that you could see what the upcoming shows were. Everything was about putting you in that movie, helping you experience that. And then just different ideas that he had come up with as far as having a trash can every certain distance apart from each other to make sure that the park stayed clean. He put all of these things in place to make sure that it was organized, clean, and family-friendly. Um, I wanted to also mention some of the opening day attractions of Disney World. So 1971, so we're talking a couple decades down the road. Country Bear Jamboree, your favorite. Yep. Dumbo. So now he's really getting into his own IP. The Hall of Presidents, which wasn't. Haunted Mansion, which wasn't at the time, but now it's a big Disney IP. Small World. Jungle Cruise. Mad well, Tea and, Party. I'll, and I'll say going back for a second on Hall of Presidents, I mean that is his IP because yeah, you know fair, it was right? it was based off of it that World's Fair attraction, you know, Adventures of Mr. Lincoln, Tales of Mr. Lincoln, something Mr. Lincoln. <laughs> All I can think about is Mr. Lincoln yeah. going berserk and smashing his chair. But yeah. right, like he took he took, and I'm like, that's the one we all wanted to see. Okay, yeah. but uh, you know he he created this great huge thing on the audio animatronic, the inventor yeah. of it, right? Yeah. Again, remember, so that's what's so amazing about this. He's not just creating a place, a destination for people to go and be at, but he's also creating the technology that allows it to put that vision and make it into real life. Yeah. Um, the pioneer, right? And we started this discussion off by talking about how he is the pioneer in the theme park, not right. just the amusement park, the theme park. Well, it's because of what he's doing with the attractions he's putting in there as part of that theme. Yeah, no, absolutely. I agree. I think he's just, he was on the cusp of innovation all the time, right? Just always forward thinking, always trying to get, like, push the envelope as far as what can we do? What can we, you know, I'm going to come up with this wild idea and then I'm going to put it to my Imagineers to make it work, right? Like figure out how to engineer it. Yeah. Um, Okay, uh, just keep continuing down the original Disney World attraction. So we left off Jungle Cruise, Mad Tea Party, Peter Pan's Flight, Prince Charming's Regal Carousel, Snow White's Scary Adventures, Swiss Family, Treehouse, Tomorrowland Speedway, and then, of course, the Tiki Room. Those were all your original attractions. Yeah. So, again, about half and half original Disney ideas or Disney movies or Disney themes and then he rolls them into his parks. Yeah. So now when we talk about theming, though, so let's talk a little bit about the, go back to that hub and spoke system. Right. For him, the theming wasn't necessarily trying to coalesce around a specific piece of Disney IP. Right. But it was trying to put those IPs within a theme itself. So what right. you found in the parks was you found these different lands. Yeah. Right. We called it Adventureland and we called it Tomorrowland and we called it. Um, Fantasy you know, land. Frontierland and Frontier, Fantasyland, yeah. right? 
Um, and then, of course, the iconic Main Street USA. These are the themes that exist within the park. And that was, frankly, what was so different from anything that you'd ever seen previously at an amusement park, right? Where yeah. you just had basically attractions. Hodge, hodge. Yeah, you had attractions, everywhere. but you didn't have like a purpose to coalesce them around. And so when you go over into Adventureland and you're climbing the Swiss Family Robinson treehouse, right? And then you move on down a little bit of the way and 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 then you're going to take a jungle cruise, okay? And then you move even further and you're going to you're going to have an adventure with some pirates as they sack a town, okay? Yeah. Like this is the theme that you're starting to see like, "Hey, this is the this is the adventure." Right. And as you watch a Disney movie, those are the images that are coming to you was these movies of adventure, right? Because that's what that's what it was about. You had a specific feeling that you would get as you watch Walt Disney's intellectual property on the screen. And this is your chance now to go and be in it. Yeah, I think that that's what he did really well. So uh, building up to Disney World, building up to Disneyland, he started with Walt Disney Presents, right? Ingenious. So yep. he, he teams up with ABC and... Every Sunday night, it became a family tradition. You would watch Walt Disney Presents, or at least I know in our house yep. we would. Yep. And he would promo different attractions that were coming up in the parks. And so I've even heard Imagineers, Tony Baxter, saying, we knew. Like, even before Disneyland opened, we knew where we were running to. Yeah. We were going to run to Fantasyland yep. because yep. we knew what was going to be there. And we were so excited to be a part of that movie or be in that movie or part of that attraction. And by the way, is that not the most genius marketing effort you ever going <laughs> to come up with, right? I mean, remember, a big part of trying to build this whole enterprise was the fact that he needed money. And and in order to get that money, he had to do things, right? And so ABC ponied up some money to make this happen. And in response, he said, I'll create content for you, yeah. right? I'll create specific content for you that even went beyond Walt Disney Presents as the as the you know the t the television show, but he would create other right. things as well specifically for ABC to be able to do that. And then they said, "Hey, here's here's the money you need to help build part of your park." Um, the consummate businessman, right? With every harebrained idea you could possibly think of in order yeah. to get to what he was trying to accomplish. And it's really interesting because I remember, you know, at one point in my career, I worked for a man very similar to that. He would come up with some of the craziest stuff you'd think <laughs> of and try and tie it together. And um, in a way, you know, I think he had a little bit of that, that Walt Disney entrepreneurship within him, um, not nearly as appealing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, you know, cause it was a very different sort of industry and business, but it was the same thing where you're like, Hey, what if we did this? Would it bring these other people to come and help it come together? You know, Walt was doing that. Yeah. And, uh, that was the first time ever someone said, why don't we mix television and amusement parks? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that, like I, so I called this part of my notes, the formula, right? So his formula was, I'm going to take my movies, I'm going to take my ideas, and I'm going to infuse them into the parks and make it this entertainment, family-friendly, friendly, clean environment. And so I just thought, man, why does that work so well? Like, what is it about that that makes it work so well? And And not to put down any current theme parks, but you see even today... The difference between some other theme parks that are out there that don't, they still don't have a firm 
IP that's attached to them. Some have some theming and some different yeah. characters that they've teamed up with, you know, the WB or... Yeah, yeah. I don't want to... Yeah, <laughs> I don't want to get in trouble, go, but, Don't go too far here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Burbank's but, already after us, so... Yeah. But you see it and you're like, man, it just doesn't catch it, on yeah. as well as the Disney seems to. Now... I don't think we're putting them down by saying this. I think Universal is probably the next closest yeah, they're, thing. They're, I think Universal is is actually really pretty good at this kind of a thing. But but again, <clears throat> there's something just a little bit different when you go into a Disney park and you walk into a land with a particular theme and you see how these things kind of come together versus when I have visited other theme parks and they have what they're – what their supposed theme in that area is. And you're just like, Oh, it's just, it's just another thing here. Mm -hmm. Right. Like it just doesn't seem to get me together. Right. When I walk through Frontierland, and you're walking through what looks a little bit like the old West, you got the shooting gallery, you got the country bears jamboree, you've got Pecos bills, disgusting cafe. I mean, (laughs) tall tale cafe. And then, and then you've got big thunder mountain there, right? Like it all comes together. Yeah. Okay. And it's more than just a facade on the front of something, you know, all the way down to how everyone's dressed. And and I do think that the other theme parks try and pull that off yeah. to the same degree. But because you don't have original IP in it, I never, ever have walked in there and felt like, oh, I'm part of this movie. Right. Now, again, I think you're right. Universal makes it really close, right? They have some attractions that are almost trying to definitely put you in the movie. I think of the... Fast and the Furious attraction yes, is yeah. one of those, you know, obviously the Spider-Man attraction where they have these 3D things. King Kong. Yeah. Pretty, pretty good in terms of like, I'm going to put you in it. But you go and you ride something like the Velocicoaster. You're like, hey, that's that's cool. And the queue is amazing. But once I get on the roller coaster part. Just a coaster. Just a coaster. Yeah. Right. It, it It's one of the best coasters I've ever been on. <laughs> but it's just it's just a coaster. Yeah. So I I found a quote from Tony Baxter. I think this kind of helps bring it all together. He said, mental real estate is free to buy, but you can make it really, really valuable by connecting it emotionally with someone everybody really cares about or something that everybody cares about. So I think what he's getting at there is like, again, when I can draw back in my memory watching Winnie the Pooh for the first time or watching Pinocchio for the first time. And then I go to the parks and I ride that Pinocchio ride or I ride that Winnie the Pooh ride. There's some sort of emotional connective tissue that's happening there that ties me back to my childhood. Or if I'm a grandparent and I get to take my grandchild for the first time and we ride this ride Dumbo together, right? I remember riding it as as a little kid myself. Now I'm a grandpa and I'm taking my grandson to ride Dumbo with me. It just pulls all these emotional strings, I think, that is what is the magic elixir of Disney, right? It's, yeah. it's just... And I think part of it is the fact that Disney has longevity behind it, right? Yeah. It's been out there since the 1920s, so... Probably if you've lived on this earth from 1920 on, you have a hundred year connection to Disney. But I think it's just something a little bit more than that. I think Tony Baxter's right. Like 
anybody can live in your head, right? That's the phrase, like he lives in his head rent-free. I think that's so true. Anything can live in your head rent-free for, but once you put an emotion to it, now it really draws you in and connects you you to that. Yeah, Mm -hmm. for sure. Um, And then that's kind of my next point that I wanted to make is, I think Disney does such a great job of tying generation to generation, right? So when you go to the parks, there's something for everyone, right? If I go to a hardcore coaster ride park, you know, I may have fun. My kids are going to have fun. But 75-year-old grandma and grandpa are probably just going to end up sitting on a park bench, you know, calling back to Disney, Walt, sitting there on that park bench, not being involved. Yeah. They go to a Disney park, and now all of a sudden, (laughs) this is so stereotypical, but they can go to the Hall of Presidents. They can go and get involved at Epcot and see, you know, some things that would be interesting to them on their speed level and their entertainment level. And I think Disney does such a great, great job of this. I mean, even to the point where in Shanghai Disney, they've created a whole garden area yeah, yeah. that's all designed for old they people. call it a four generational for <laughs> old people yeah. i'm no, sorry it's, it's just, but it's um, true that's really what it was really it, because the thought was like multi- hey how are we going to do this for folks that cannot physically get up on these attractions how do we provide something that's going to be for them too yeah no i absolutely agree um, there are a lot of old people in Asia, so <laughs> they needed that spot. I mean, there's a lot of old people everywhere. Right? Yeah, yeah. And I yeah. love old people, by the way. Don't uh, like Burbank come and sue me, but uh, you guys yeah. are great. <laughs> I think the other thing they do really well, and um, I think that this maybe wasn't as much Walt, but I'll give a lot of credit to Tony Baxter. Obviously, he's one of my favorite Imagineers. Yeah, mine too. I keep thinking about that. Uh, you know, we did a magical scenario once. Yeah. Like, who would you who would you want to have dinner with, sit down with? And that was it was Tony Baxter. It was like, Tony. That's who, yeah. You know, and if he wasn't available, I guess Joe Rody. But yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but what he did really well is he started to figure out. Okay, we're going to put you in the in the ride, and you are going to be the star of the show. Not you know. Uh, so now rolling forward. Not Han Solo flying the Millennium Falcon. You're flying the Millennium Falcon. Even Peter Pan. You're not watching Peter Pan. And that's how it originally came out, was that you were watching Peter Pan or Snow White go on this adventure. And now this whole mindset has changed of you are the star of the show. You're the one going on the Indiana Jones adventure. You know, not Indiana. Indiana's there, and you hear the theme music playing, but it's really about your adventure and what you're experiencing on that ride. So I think, again, that's just one of those ingenious ways that Disney kind of draws you in so that you feel like you're on the wildest ride in the wilderness, right? Yeah, like yeah. you're part of the show. So um, the other thing I wanted to just touch on is like how this has continued forward. So I'll just call out a couple of uh, of new things that are or new rides that are out there that, again, we just take for granted, that, but they're part of all that Disney IP. So Toy Story Mania, Star Tours, Peter Pan's Flight, Indiana Jones, Star Wars Rise of the Resistance, Smuggler's Run. These are all IPs, all of um, Adventures Cap- Campus and the Spider-Man ride out in California, Twilight Tower of Terror, all 
part of pulling in Disney, you know, using these uh, these original attractions to to draw you in. And then if an attraction gets old, right, they'll they'll refresh, refresh it. it. Yeah. So like Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea, right? That was an original, not an original Disneyland ride, but that was really popular in its day. But it kind of wore out. Kids these days are not watching. 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, so they refresh it into Nemo's Sea Voyage, right? And so now it's this whole new theme, and a new generation comes in, and they love it because, again, they're emotionally connected to Nemo and all these different things. We're seeing this now with Splash Mountain. I would say my girls had no idea what Splash Mountain was. It was just a log ride to them. That's true. But now that it's tied or going to be tied to Tiana... They're gonna. It's gonna connect with them, and they're gonna feel that emotional connection to that princess. Yeah, you know. And I want to. I want to talk about that for just a second, not too long, right? Because this isn't intended to dive into any sort of political commentary. But, but obviously, you know, Splash Mountain when it came out was frankly one of those. Uh, I don't want to say it was this this major breakthrough because there were other theme parks that already had a log ride that did something effectively pretty similar. Yeah. Right? Um. But Splash Mountain tied it to a specific IP, which was an old movie, Disney's Song of the South, which was one that fell out of favor because of, you know, themes that that it contained and depictions of certain people, um, you know, from from a stereotype standpoint. OK, and the result of that was that the overwhelming majority of people who visited the Disney theme park had really no idea who. Br'er Rabbit, Br'er yeah. Fox were, right? They heard the song zippity doo Dah, and, and I think that was a song that was familiar to people, but they really didn't know where did that song even come from, Right? okay? Now, I had grown up having seen it because I grew up in a home that literally collected movies, had all of these sorts of things, right? <laughs> yeah. And so... <laughs> the bookshelf of Disney uh, Yeah, VHS I mean, it was, it, was, it was absolutely incredible. So I, I knew about it, but most people did not. And I do think that it got to a point when, from a from a social standpoint, we started having conversations about, you know, is this appropriate, is this isn't appropriate. I don't know that the most important driver in the decision to retheme Splash Mountain into Tiana's Bayou was really that notion of, hey, this movie wasn't wasn't great. I think it has more to do with the fact that there is not an emotional connection available right. for the people going through this because they don't know what this IP is. Yeah. It's a cute ride. The songs are awesome. The attraction is fun. But what movie am I in? Yeah. Most people will never know. And now that they've done in retheming it to Tiana's Bayou is they've said, hey, here is something that everyone can go and look at and watch today and see and be part of. And now you can be part of it, too. I think that that made a lot of sense. Now, I love Splash Mountain. I, I was in the camp. I'm like, ah, oh, I'm always in the camp almost of stop changing the stuff that right. I like. Okay. But I'm going to give it a fair shot because I think it's a great opportunity, as we're talking about, to now once again step into the movie. Yeah. No, and, I totally and, and it, agree. It was, it was not really possible to do that with Splash Mountain. No, I totally agree. And I think that that's what makes it hard. And maybe kind of to wrap up our conversation here is like, I think it's hard. I think, you know, because those emotional ties run so deep to certain rides and certain experiences, you know, if, if they came in and said, hey, we're we're revamping and we're going away with Haunted Mansion, 
I think people would lose their minds. Yeah, like they would absolutely lose their minds. And it's happened over time. Like we've seen different examples, even when they go in and just try to add some material to uh, like, for example, Disneyland Small World. They start adding in some of these more recent characters. People lost their minds because they don't want to have that emotional connection and their memories taken away from yeah, them yeah. and to feel like the park is being cheapened or um, turned into some sort of marketing ploy, right? To be able to yeah. sell more plush dolls, to be able to push more, you know, revenue. That's how it can feel sometimes. And <clears throat> again, I, I wanted but, yeah, to but, go. But that's the thing, right? Think about that for Small World. And honestly, I'm I'm in the camp of I wish they would do the same thing at Disney World that they did at Disneyland. Because there is right now a generational gap between folks that grew up and knew what this was versus young children now yeah. going there and they don't understand what are these weird puppets doing, <laughs> okay? And why and why will this song never end, Yeah, right? There, But there was more to it. And we could probably have an entire episode dedicated just to Small World. Yeah. Not in favor of that, but we could, okay? Because... Right. Because there was a lot that went into it and into the creation of it, into its kickoff and how it went and and, the, and bringing people literally from across the world and all the way down to they yeah. brought water with them from yeah. their lands to put it in the river when it started. You know, there was that connection to them when it opened. It doesn't exist today. Right. So when you have a child go on there, how do you get them to say, oh, I love Small World? Well, here's Mickey. Oh, there's Peter Pan. Yes. Oh, there's here's, you know, um, there's Olaf. Right. right you know, right. I'm starting to see things that are familiar and now they resonate with me and it makes a lot of sense. Again, that's the thing is you want to come in and you want to be part of what's happening. You don't want to just be an outside observer. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And I think it it breathes new life into the park. Right. It creates again, it creates that emotional connection. It's still small world to you, right? And so you have that parental and childhood memory of small world. But to your point, when I go on it and I see these new characters and and my daughters see these new characters and it's cartoons and shows that they grew up with, now they have that connection. And, you know, I've complained publicly about the upcoming changes to the Country Bears Jamboree, but this is also a good time to talk about that, too. The same thing is going to happen there. You know, for me, that connection to Country Bears is I remember going to places. I remember being in Branson and literally going to, you know, these kind of stage shows where that made a lot of sense to me. And I get it. Um, My kids, they don't get it. they, They just they don't get it because. I didn't take them to these sorts of things growing up. We don't have that around here right. in Houston, Texas, okay? Um, that's a Branson, Missouri sort of thing yeah. where I spent a lot of my summers visiting my dad. And, and and I remember that kind of connection to bring it there for me. So is it time to update it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. And, and what I think is going to happen is I'm going to be able to, when I go and listen to how I feel they ruined it, remember all those good <laughs> memories that I had before. And my connection stays there. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing is just because they change it, you don't lose your connection. Actually, it's a great opportunity to bring those memories back in a very different light for you. Some of them might invoke some anger, and that's okay too. Yeah. But uh, but I'll treasure it. And the hope would be that moving forward, 
now there's going to be this new connection for the rising generation as they come through the park as well. No, for sure. Uh, Let me read a quote. It's a little bit long. It's from Walt himself. He says, the park means a lot to me in that it's something that will never be finished. Something that I can keep developing, keep plussing and adding to. It's alive. It will be a live, breathing thing. It will be a live, breathing thing that will need changes. A picture is a thing that once you wrap up and turn it over to Technicolor, you're through. Snow White is a dead issue to me. That The last picture I finished, the one I just wrapped up a few weeks ago, it's gone. I can't touch it. There's things in it I don't like. Are there things in it I don't like, but I can't do anything about it. I wanted something live, something that could grow, something I could keep plussing with ideas. You see, the park is that. Not only can I add things, but even the trees will keep growing. The thing will get more beautiful every year. And as I find what the public likes, and when the picture's finished, I put it out. And I find out what they like or what they don't like, and I have to apply that to some other thing. I can't change that picture. So that's why... I wanted that park. I love that because I think that encapsulate encapsulates what we're getting at here. Even Walt, with as much heart and energy and time and effort and, as we say, blood, sweat, and tears that he put into those parks, he knew that it was a living, breathing, changing thing. And, yeah, it's hard for us emotionally sometimes to let things go or see things change within the parks but I think that's what keeps it so entertaining and so generational, generationally moving forward is that we always get to introduce new things to our kids and, and their kids and on down the generations. I love it. I think that's amazing. And that's a beautiful quote. It's a, it's an amazing tribute and I can, I can just see it in my mind. I can picture it, right? Even when he talks about the trees continue to grow, I'm yeah. like, Oh my goodness, just, just imagine, you know, they brought in a lot of mature trees to do all sorts of stuff when they built these parks, and they've just continued to evolve. Yeah. And uh, and what would Walt think when he when he walked through today? Yeah, yeah. So uh, maybe that's a good good where spot to end. Let's talk about uh, a magical scenario. So my magical scenario is this: if Walt were around today which I know is physically impossible at this point, but let's say your magical scenario is you get to take Walt Disney to somewhere in the parks and show him something new. What ride would you want to go on Walt Disney with? Where would you want to take him? Oh my gosh. I think that's, I think it's so easy. You know where I'm going. (laughs) You're taking him to guardians. That's where I'm taking him. (laughs) Absolutely. I love it. I mean, look, is, can there be, um, I, I truly believe that probably the five newest attractions at Walt Disney World perfectly, and I mean absolutely perfectly embody this theme of putting you in the movie. Yeah. I'm talking about Star Wars Rise of the Resistance. Yeah. I'm talking about... Uh, Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway. I'm talking about Ratatouille's Adventure. I'm talking about, you know, Guardians, um, you know, Cosmic Rewind and Tron. Yeah. Those attractions, like, you are in it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And and, and I bring this up because I think this is interesting. A second ago, I kind of talked about the Velocicoaster at Universal. 
You know, when you go through the queue, you feel like you're part of this. But once you get on that coaster, you're just going through this coaster, right? Tron is not the same. No, yeah. Okay, Tron is a high-speed thrill thing, and you feel like you are part of that movie. Yeah. And that is that is utterly and completely unique. But I think of every other super high thrill, even hyper coaster that's out there. And once the coaster gets going, you're now disconnected from the movie or whatever the IP it's based on. And, and you're just going really, really fast and doing some crazy stunts. Okay. And, and when they brought Tron together, when they brought guardians together, like the movie is actually literally going on with you. Right. That's what I would show Walt. I'd take, I'd take them in the Guardians. I'd say, have you ever seen anything like this? And the answer would be, no, I've been dead for 50 years. But. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, yeah, I think, I think I'm with you on that. I would love to take him to Pandora. Oh, and, my gosh. Uh, you know, have him ride on Flight of Passage. But just even to walk through Pandora with him and yeah. just, like, put your arm around him and be like, Thanks, buddy. Like you created all this. Yeah, you yeah. made this possible. Yeah. And just take him through that and let him see, you know, the wonder of Pandora and just all the engineering design and the plants and just all those senses that he was so big on coming at you. And then the capstone being taking him on flight of passage and let him letting him be a part of that. So anyways, I think, I think that's awesome. And, you know, on that note, I do want to remind our friends, listen, Take that magic with you all the time, not just when you're at the park. Go visit our friends over at the Magic Candle Company. They are continue to enhance their lineup of available products to help you continue to capture that magic. All the way down to, I've learned now, they even have soap available. Yeah. Okay, so you can smell it with you wherever you go after you wash your hands and keep yourself clean. But Magic Candle Company, bring some of the, the parks home with you. Take it with you wherever you go. And don't forget, if you use our promo code ESCAPE, You'll save some money, too. Yeah, get a discount by using our promo code ESCAPE and uh, take, take the parks home with you. Great show today. Enjoyed it. A uh, lot of uh, thoughts and memories come back to me as we talk about all these different attractions and rides. So, great show. Awesome. Thanks, everybody. See you next week. Bye.